2: listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Your host this evening is Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordle from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, and Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of Georgia, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713 955 0508 if you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast you can send your emails to my new email address butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com you can give me a call steve these Media Production, at the carolina studio at 910-491-6405 now again this program is brought to you by members of the churches of christ And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light radio show.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light radio show.
1: Before we go into our program this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-hosts on the broadcast, Clay Phillips and Tim Bench, as they break into our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host Steve Cordo as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts so that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in via blog talk radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. while we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us in love with all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. while we pray that you'll save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all.
2: Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. Our speakers for the show this evening. In the first segment, my co-host Clay Phillips, he serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my Shout it Out platform on social media, Facebook, that I'll be posing to my co-host Steve Cordle. Steve serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be answering our question on the broadcast this evening. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Tim Bench. He serves with the O'Ham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. And he'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. So open up your Bibles and open your minds, and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you hear will be that of my co-host, Clay Phillips. Enjoy the show.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Hmm.
3: Come on in the
0: light, in the light, the blessing comes for the light. From store to
3: show come on in the light, the blessing comes for the light. Let it time, more or evermore.
2: Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Now my co-host Clay Phillips and his subject, the pressure cooker of life. Good evening.
4: It is good to be able to come into your homes, into your lives by radio and also by Facebook. God have been good to us. He'd been better to us than we ever thought about being to ourselves. The Bible says in John chapter 4 and verse 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit as well as in truth. I want to thank uh, Steve Butler for uh, this radio show and those that participate and help sponsor this broadcast. We're so thankful. Now... If you have your Bible, turn with me to the first epistle of Peter, chapter 4. And I want to read verse 8. That's the first epistle of 4, and the verse is number 8. And we find these words written, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, For charity, listen now, for charity share, covet, the multitude of sin. Now, what I want to first of all do is look at the word uh, fervent charity. The word fervent here uh, comes from the Greek word that means to boil over to boil over. And so our text lesson I want to look at is the pressure cooker of life. The pressure cookers of life. Here we find in the text, the Apostle Peter deals with uh, love and hatred. Uh, love and hatred in the text. And so he talked about uh, life is something we have to work at. In other words, it's not an easy path to be in this world. I believe all of you will agree with me. It is difficult to live in this life. It is a struggle uh, to live in this life. For the devil is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may divide. And so all of us are struggling. The struggle is real. And so Peter deals with uh, the pressure cooker of life. In other words, Peter is telling us that we all are under a lot of pressure. We all are under a lot of pressure. If you will. And the pressure cooker of life is based on two things here. Number one, it will cause you, if you have a good heart, it will cause you to develop a fervent love. Now, if you are evil, it will cause you to boil over with hatred. And so the idea here as Peter deals with, he used a unique characteristic of an athlete. (laughs) Yes, he does. For he he let us know here in the text, and Paul also dealt with the athlete. He wanted us to understand that uh, the picture of an athlete as one running, just the way as an athlete worked hard on his skills. This is how we as Christians, should work hard on our skills for the Lord to be a child of God, to be a Christian, and so here we find fervent, which means to ball over. Now, now the word fervent here also is talking about when you look up the exegesis, is talking about uh, a sportsman. A, a sportsman must have fervent uh, ability. He must have the ability to ball over. We get our word, and I know this now. We get our word, extracurriculum. Uh, <laughs> Let the body speak, Brother Phillips. We get our word, extracurriculum. Now, what do you mean by extracurriculum? It is that a fervent person that is fervent understands that it is something beyond what others are doing. So when you are a child of God, you must understand, you must live a life beyond everybody else. Everybody else. You must live a life. In other words, uh, a sportsman, uh, is, is basketball, football, track, all of these things are called extracurricular. And so when you have fervent love, it is a... Peter asking us to be like an athlete, we are doing extracurriculum. And so when you talk about extracurricular, what is extracurriculum? When you look up extracurriculum in the dictionary or encyclopedia, it means to a determined, an individual that is determined to escape a dead-end life. Woo! An individual that is determined to escape a dead-end life. In other words, you understand that uh, hearing the word is good. But not only hearing the word, there must be extracurriculum. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, yes. But faith without works is dead. So here Peter addresses us as we must understand to have first. so now an athlete understand this an athlete m- must have three things number one he must there must be sincerity or sincere number two he must uh, be strong he must build his body he must build his muscles to be strong to be an extra be stronger than the ordinary person not only that there must be st- uh, stability. So an athlete, the word pervert here means to born over, to means that to be sincere, to be strong, to be, to have stability, to, to have extracurriculum, and everybody else is home, resting. You are out exercising. So here Peter addresses that a pressure cooker, when, when my mother uh, and my wife, and uh, I see folks use pressure cookers. Pressure cookers are designed to be used when you're not watching it. In other words, there's some food you cook that you can uh, have to stand there and watch. But a pressure cooker, good God Almighty, a pressure cooker, you put it in the pot and then you let it boil. You let it boil over. That's why the Bible says, let the Bible speak, but not uh, uh, cook running over. In other words, God is telling us, I want you to understand that are certain things I want your cup to run over. Now, cup running over is telling us, listen, your cup is full. You are supposed to help somebody else. So when you start thinking about your cup running over, it's speaking of here, he was not talking about uh when your cup run over, you start uh find a bigger cup. But Jesus said that there was a man that God had blessed, that his cup was running over, boiling over, but he didn't have fervent love. He had fervent hate. His cup was, God, what did this man say? There was an individual, a young man came to Jesus and said, Lord, speak to my brother that he may divide and inheritance with me. Jesus said unto him, who made me a judge or a divider over you? He said, let me tell you a story. There was a man that God had blessed with much. And he had much. And it filled right over. What did he do? Did he bar over the, with love and share? No. He said, What I'm going to do, I'm going to tear down my bonds and build bigger, build greater.
0: <laughs>
4: okay. I'm going to build greater bonds. So he decided to do And the Bible says, and the Bible speaks, Brother Phillips, that. Uh, God said to him, thy food, this night, thy soul is required of thee. And whose shall those things be that you're going to leave behind? Amen? So here, we must understand, when when you are talking about the pressure cooker, you're talking about fervent love, you're talking about, here Peter says, notice what he says now, and he says here, notice what he says, and above all things, having fervent charity amongst yourself. Your love ought to be boiling over. You ought to be excited about doing God's will. You ought to be excited about serving the Lord. You ought to be excited about coming to worship service, coming to Bible study. It's bubbling over. This is what we call extracurriculum. Everybody not came, don't want to do this. So when you come to Bible study, you're looking at extracurriculum. When you come to serve the Lord, worship servant, God said, come to me, all your labor and heavenly, and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. In other words, I want you to understand that love, there's a thin line between love and hate. And this is what we must understand. There's a thin line. There was a group uh, back in the day, back in the Shetland, when I was younger, uh, they called the Persuaders. And the Persuaders used to sing a song. That uh, those of you that my age, around sixty and sixties up, you know,
0: <laughs>
4: you, you remember persuaders, the right? There's a thin line between love and hate. And he talked, and he talked and and talk about this song that there was a man that played around on his, on his girl, and, and come to find out, he came home late one night. <laughs> Let the song peace. And when uh, he got home, he said, Are you hungry? Uh, and he, he he was hungry, and she fed him. But it, it, the story ended that he said, I woke up in the hospital l- banded from feet to head because there's a thin line between love and hate. So you must understand the concept Peter is telling us, listen, there's a thin line between love and hate. That's why your love must boil over. Woo, good God Almighty. Let's Bible sweet brother Verse 8. Now notice now, again, verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, and above all things, and above all things. Now, in other words, there are some things that are above all things. Jesus teaches us and talks to us. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, you ought to be bubbling, boiling over, seeking the truth of God. You ought to be bubbling, boiling over, trying to find the word of God, whatever it takes, woo, to find the word of God. So it says here, another what it says here, it says, above all things. There are some things you ought to put above. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, forsaking not. I have to always bring the point. It says, forsaking not. It it says, forsaking not your sin. In other words, you you are not made to come. You, You can't wait. I heard David say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we look at the text. David was saying, I was bubbling over. I was boiling over. Man, my pressure cooker was cooking. I had to get on down to the road, City church of Christ. Woo! <laughs> Let the Bible speak. Brother Phillips. And so he says, none of it says now, the Apostle Peter says, and above all things. There are some things above all things. And notice what it says, what is above all things? Love. He says, above all things, having perfect.'" Boil over love amongst yourselves. Now, there are three things I want to give you, three homiletics above all things that we must understand, that are encouraging to us above all things. First of all, uh, we must understand what is above all things. Turn your Bibles now to uh, Philippians. Everybody turn the Bibles now to Philippians, if you will. Uh, Chapter is 2. Philippians chapter 2. And I want to commence reading that verse number one, Philippians chapter two, and the verse is number one. And you find these words written, if there be therefore any consolation, if there be any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love. So what do you mean by, about, what do you mean by above all things? The first thing we need to understand is the exaltation of Christ. In other words, we should bubble over when the name of Jesus is mentioned. <laughs> when the name of Jesus is brought up, we ought to be bubbling over. Uh, Why do you say about this? Because here we find we ought to be bubbling over, Paul, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the exhortation of Christ. He says here, if there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, listen now, listen, it, uh, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind, let nothing be done through strife and vain and glory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. We are to be brought him, brought him over to help somebody else. Now, now, the word there means appreciate. The word esteem here means to appreciate. It says in verse number four, look not every man on his own thing, but every man. Also upon the things of others Let this mind The mind that is bubbling over Boiling over Let this mind be in you which is Also in Christ Jesus Who being in the form of God Thought it not a robbery To be equal with God But made himself of no reputation And took upon himself the form of a servant And was made In the likeness of men This is what love would do to you In the pressure cooker Lord will humble you. It will make you tender. Somebody <laughs> ought to it me up in here. I ought to get a witness of it. It ought to make you tender. It ought to make you, well, when you bite into it, it's juicy. Smells good. Sweet, smelling savior. Look at God. Look at God. Verse 8 says, and being found in the fashion of man. Oh, my goodness, that should humble us right there. Being found in the fashion of man. God, Jesus Christ, took. Upon himself, the form of a servant. nor one said, "For he humbled himself and became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Another one said, "Things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that." Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, to the boiling over of God the Father. Who God Heffels in here. That's why I said verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye also obey not also in my presence only, but much more, much more in my action, work out your... On salvation with fear and trembling, in a way, to express God, to express. So here's to my boiling over, not only uh, uh, for the gospel sake. T- turn now, turn to First Corinthians. Everybody now get your Bible. Turn to First Corinthians. Back up to First Corinthians chapter 9. Now, I got to show you this. I got to show you this. First Corinthians chapter 9. And the verses number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And the verse is number 19. I just got to show you this. Notice now, are y'all boiling with me? Can you you smell it now? Can you feel uh, the pressure? Can you smell the pressure cooking? Uh Notice the verse number 19 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain (laughs) the (laughs) more. So so above all things. Now remember, Peter said, above all things. Peter, <laughs> let me read it again. Verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 3, chapter 4, rather, and above all things, have boiling. Okay, 9 says, going to demonstrate to us in 1 Corinthians 9, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant to all men that I might gain the more. For the gospel's sake, the apostle Paul is letting us know, for the gospel's sake, we ought to be boiling over. We ought to be anxious about folks going to heaven. That's why I'm here talking to you now. I want to go to heaven, and I'm going to heaven. Woo! What Paul said here. He says, in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and unto the Jews I became a Jew. What? He was a Jew himself. You remember in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, Paul said, Brethren, my heart is up, Prayer to God with Israel, hell, is, that they might be saved. For a banning record, that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now, Paul said, I want my people to be saved. I, I, I want everybody to be saved. But he said, especially. I want my people to be safe. I'm boiling over that young black men pull their pants up.
1: Oh, God, yeah.
4: I'm boiling over that young girls learn to pull their dress down. I'm boiling over that old folks uh, act like you're old.
0: <laughs>
4: I'm begging you. God called the old man because he's wise and young man because he's strong. Let us start working together. Boiling over the church ought to be in the pressure cooker when you put meat in Christ. oh oh I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I had to be delivered of that. This is verse 20. Paul said, to the Jew, I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jew, to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. So in other words, he said, I want you to understand, above all things, I'm doing this, I'm boiling over that I might share what I got with somebody else. That's what boiling over means. When, when he says, when David said, my cup runneth over, he's talking about I want to share what I got with somebody else. Ooh. Then he says in verse 21, Paul, to them that are without law and without law, then he put it to being not without law God. In other I'm not gonna God now. That I might gain them that are without law. To them that are weak became our weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means say some. So we are be born over for everybody to hear the word of God, to share the word of God. What is wrong with America? We ought to be thankful to God and say, let these folks come in here that we can share Jesus Christ. How can folks come out? I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. And you're trying to keep folks from the Lord. We're boiling over with hatred. We're not boiling over. Because understand that, there's a thin line between love and hate. A matter of boiling over with hatred instead of boiling over with love. Can I read this a little bit further? He says, notice in verse 23, he says, and this I do, this I do for the gospel's sake, <laughs> that I might be partakers thereof with you. He said, I want you to know what I'm doing. The reason why I'm on this broadcast with Steve and the rest of the guys is because I'm boiling over. I want to tell somebody about Jesus. I want to tell somebody about the Lord. I want to share what God is doing for me and what has done for me. He said, Paul said, this I do for the gospel, that I might be partakers there with you. He said in verse 24, Know ye not that they was running a race. So now here, Paul was talking about a race. All run, but one see the price. So run that you may obtain. In other words, he says, I'm giving you an analogy that you ought to be the first one at the church building when the building opened up. And then to beat me here, you got to show them how to be doing it. I mean, 'cause I get I get here at eight o'clock uh on Sunday morning, eight o'clock Sunday morning every Sunday morning, and we don't started at uh, nine for to and then on my Monday through Friday, I get at seven thirty sometimes seven o'clock, but I'm burning over. I can't wait to get to my office to study the word of God. I'm hungry for the word of God. that's what Jesus said he did hunger and thirst see if you if you're hungry and somebody's always some food, man you're gonna jump on it. If you fast it, you're going to jump on it. And so here what Paul says. We ought to be jumping on this. In verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is separate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crime. But we, an incorruptible crime, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight out. It is a fight. It is a struggle. That's what it, The word fight here is not talking about this fighting and all and bickering. But fight here means that, listen, this is at your curriculum. I'm working hard. I, I'm gonna do this. I'm doing it because if you Jesus, if you give, it shall be given to you. Good measure. Press down, running over, shaking the gut
0: said,
4: I therefore run not as such uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth in the air. I'm not I'm not I'm not coming to the service. I, I'm not coming to service. Paul says, Listen, I'm not doing all this preaching for nothing. And you should be coming to service for nothing. He says, No what he says so now in verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into to subjection lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself shall be a castaway. And I'm not doing all this to go to the lake that burning the fire. I am preaching and teaching the word of God that I want you to be saved. I'm boiling over. Tell somebody. Woo. And not only, not only says uh, above all things, that the gospel say, then it also talked about uh, for the race sake. What do you mean, Brother Philip? For the race sake. Uh, in other words, turn up uh, t- t- with chapter 10. We're okay? first Corinthians, right? Chapter 9. Now turn t- chapter 10 in verse 1. For the race sake. <laughs> in other words, you ought to enjoy the race. He said, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized under Moses in the cloud, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. What? What? <laughs> My brother uh, said, brother Phil, that's not like a meat term. You, oh yes, sir. This is this is this is not milk. Milk going in a bottle. Meat going in a pressure cooker. <laughs> you can't handle it. He said. Uh, meat, and then all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drink of the spiritual rock, which was Christ. The rock was Christ. Good God Almighty. Uh, Let let me me, me, me go on. Let me me go on. Look look at, drop down to verse 24. Uh, Everybody, now drop down to verse 24. Uh, I don't have time, I got According to my talk here, i got about eight minutes. I better move right along. Now, understand, above all things, number one, for the gospel sake, the gospel shall be above everything, all things, everything. The gospel should be above everything. Jesus Christ, because Jesus is above everything. Not only for the gospel sake, for the race sake. Because everybody got to run the same race. Moses and all of them had to go through the same thing. And then, number three, for your sake. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, you did run away. Now, now the thing about it is, you don't want to run away. Turn to Galatians it chapter 5. Everybody turn to, to Galatians it chapter 5. And the verse is number 6 and 7. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. I'm, I'm trying to move a little fast, then because time goes go by fast. Rose City no that take me a couple of weeks to finish up a sermon now galatians chapter 5 and the verse is number 6 and 7 5 6 and 7 for in jesus christ notice now for in jesus christ in Jesus Christ. Neither circumcision availed of anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So it's all about love here. Amen? Then verse number 7, remember it says, Ye did, ye did run well. What? You did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? In other words, you were doing so good. Let the Bible speak, sisters. You were doing so good. You was coming to Bible study. You was coming to Sunday school. You was coming to worship service. But who hindered you from doing the will of God? I know you get caught up into the preacher. I know you get caught up into the elders. I know you can call me the deacon and the members the, that there is it, It's the word of God that you need to be caught up in too. I know you get See, that's why, if you back up to uh, chapter 3, uh, let me show you what they got caught up in. Damn. Chapter 3 of Galatians, uh, in verse number 1, Paul said, Oh, foolish Galatians. What? Oh, foolish Galatians. What? Oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth crucified amongst you. Now they was there, and she. Said, I used to I used to, I used to get real discouraged because people wouldn't take the law, wouldn't come to Bible study, wouldn't come to see. I'm to the point now. I'm six. I'll be sixty-three, December twelfth, and I'm to the point now where. Uh, I'm not going to be a castaway. You do anything you want to do. I used to beg, for. I used to, man, man, you need to do But now I understand. I understand that I can't do, I can't make you become what God wants you to become. He, he says, he says, who have be with you? Now, those are verse number two of Galatians chapter three. This only would I learn of you, receive the spirit by the work of the law, or by the hearing of faith. How do you came how do you become a member of Christ? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are ye yet not made perfect by the flesh? What, what 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 are you looking for?
0: It is not in
4: our flesh. It is not in works that any man should boast. It is a gift of God. How in the world can you leave the gift of God with God almighty? He says, "Having have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, oh my goodness! Now, let me wrap this up. My time is up. I got about three minutes here. Now I got a lot of stuff, but I'm so about to skip it. But let me let me read the text again, and then I'm gonna let you see what you need to see. Wrap it up. And above all things, have pressure cooking, little <laughs> woo." about other said men have the pressure cooking love amongst yourselves now you can tell when a person an individual have the pressure cooking love how do you know how do you know that a person have pressure cooking love it says for love or charity covered a multitude of sins When you love somebody, it, you are not about trying to put all their business out in the street. Let me, let me, let me see. Now in the exegesis, it go back to uh when man, every imagination, every thought, everything he did was evil continually. And God child to destroy man. The Bible says that the Bible speaks to favor in a man called Noah only Noah and his own family saved. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. When once the several of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing way of thee, that his eight soul was saved by water, like figure baptism does not also save us. Woo! That's about to speak, Brother Philip. But after the, there was, after the flood, it demonstrates what love is. Yes, God loved man, gave grace to man, but love is demonstrated. Noah got drunk. Look at it. Sin. And oftentimes people in the church don't understand what true love is, boiling over love is. It's about pressure cooker love. It's about covering a mother to the sin. Noah got drunk, and ham went into sin. And came out and told his brother, instead of covering it up. just talking about it. Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. Bible said that his brothers took a garment and put it up their head and covered Noah. saying, nakedness. God, if you will, gave them honor, but he cursed Ham's son, came Not, not Ham, but Canaan. Love covet and mother to the sick. When you're born and over, when you pressure cooker love, you forgive because God forgave you. let hit hear the gospel. Believe and pray, confess and be baptized. That'll meet you a new creature in Christ Jesus. I want, I want to beg you. I want to beg you. I want to plead with you. Have pressure cooker. Have five-year pressure cooker. The pressure cooker of life. Don't, 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 I ain't got time to deal with this, but don't boil over with hate. Boil over with love, because hatred, that's another part of the sermon. It's a dangerous thing. It 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 boil over. <laughs> it has hostility. Right, let me stop, let me stop. My time is up. May God bless you. Remember this.
2: Keep it real. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
5: Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are
1: the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events or activities announced on this radio broadcast, just contact me at Stevie B Media Production Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Or send your emails to my new email address, Steve 1009 at yahoo.com. On Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, February a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number of this call is 857-216-6700. And access code is three two eight four nine seven. On Tuesday, each Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ from San Antonio, Texas presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class. And that will be held on Zoom, www.zoom.com. And the class ID number is eight two one three six nine two eight two six two. Weekly from Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, there will be a Ladies in Christ prayer line hosted by the Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number of this prayer line is 605-472-5203. My co-host, Steve Cordell, here at the Gospel Light Radio Show. He has a new book entitled God's Grace in You. And you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. Stevie B's Media production presents, uh, we're airing a new, two new productions on the Tuesday night show, What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. The Every third Tuesday of the month, we'll be airing a new production, The Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry. That show will air at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on every fourth Tuesday of the month, we'll be airing a new production, The Kelly Fletcher Show, which will air from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And just a program reminder, Stephen B's Me production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. And we changed my What a Work the Lord" Radio show. We changed that production around a little bit because we added some additional shows uh, took that show on Tuesday night, so every first Tuesday of the week, there will be no show scheduled. Every second Tuesday of the week, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. We also have the Three the Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community, and one of the co-hosts, uh, Luke Gilbert, uh, Isom Mullins from the Helen Street Church of Christ, and of course, Luke Gil- Luke Gilbert from the Oldwood Park Church of Christ. We'll be presenting messages on that Tuesday night show And then on Thursday night each week From 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time I have eight co-hosts on this broadcast The Gospel Light Radio Show And they'll be presenting messages from the Word of God each week And two of my co-hosts will be on the air with me And we'll be also taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook Called Shout It Out That I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on this live show Then on Friday night at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting the live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast radio show. And on that broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, The Sweet Sounds of Voices. And this Friday night, my special guest on that show will be Irvin C. Jackson from Wesley Chapel, Florida He'll be debuting some new music On this Friday night show My on-demand episodes We have over 600 That's right, ladies and gentlemen There are over 600 episodes that have been produced On the Stevie B's Media Production And you can find these on-demand episodes Wherever you're getting your favorite podcasts from And just type in your search bar Stevie B Media Production And you'll see all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis. Some of the major platforms that you can find these shows on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Music, YouTube, just to name a few. I'd like to give a shout out to all of my sponsors. We certainly appreciate all of those who've been sponsoring these radio shows. I have a new sponsorship manager. Her name is Michelle Marco from Port Lauderdale, Florida. And if you would like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, just give her a call at 954-687-4705. I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois, Bethesda Memorial from the Director of Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas, Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas, and Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina, Yvonne Blazing Cracker Gooch from Nashville, Tennessee, Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina, Marquise Hallman from Charlotte, North Carolina, Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina, Diversified Fantasy Network, LLC, the owners, Mark and Charlotte Carroll from Dallas, Texas, And ordained Faith Publishing From Fort Lauderdale, Florida The three E's of Stevie B's Media Production It is the objective of this broadcast We want to educate, we want to edify And we want to encourage you in the study of God's Word And that will conclude my program announcements Stay tuned, the shout out question is coming up next after the break
2: you're listening to The Gospel Light Radio Show. Give me a song. To
3: sing.
2: listening to the gospel light radio show shout it out question
1: ladies and gentlemen this is the portion of the broadcast where i have a question from my social media platform called shout it out and we want to pose that question to my co-host we also want to encourage our listeners to join that group on facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions my co-host on the broadcast this evening is steve cordell he's with the east park church of christ there in danville illinois steve how are you doing this evening
5: Doing pretty well. Just uh, trying to stay dry. We've been getting a lot of rain out here lately.
1: Yeah, we just got some rain ourselves here today. Now, are you live on Facebook?
5: Uh, No, um, I wasn't able to get connected to Facebook, uh, so I'm just doing it uh, audio tonight.
1: Okay, sounds good. Now, here's the question I have for your consideration. This question is from an anonymous query from the state of Ohio, and the scriptural reference that's used is Matthew chapter, three, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, and also verses 19 and 20. I'll let you read those if you need to read them in order to answer the question. Now, here's the question. Is the Lord referring to the church when he is speaking of the kingdom of heaven? What say you to this question?
5: Well. I had long thought, let me just read the, uh, the first couple of verses here of Matthew 5 to sort of set the stage here. Uh, this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Matthew records that seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he had, was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I had long thought that Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 was referring to heaven, Uh, as in the place where God is and where we want to spend eternity. But in reading for this segment, um, I might be changing my mind a little bit. uh, because, And so I'm calling this answer a preliminary answer, and I might revisit this in a future broadcast. Now, I went through some of my notes, and me and electronics do not get along very well. And I've had a few hard drive crashes over the years, and I've lost most of the notes and things that I had accumulated on Matthew. And uh, it's also been a while since I studied the Sermon on the Mount. But um, here's a couple of uh, some thoughts that I've come up with. Uh, Writing in the uh, Truth Commentary in the volume on Matthew, Mike Willis said that Jesus is proclaiming uh, his favored condition here, and that is, first on those who are the poor in spirit. Uh, As we have seen earlier in the Gospel, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of heaven. And this is the interesting part that I had forgotten about, which in the Greek it translates – the kingdom of the heavens, plural. Uh, But in English, it's always the kingdom of heaven. Now, and I don't know why that is. I'm not a Greek scholar. I know just barely enough Greek to be dangerous. But it is often difficult then to figure out uh, when this is talking about the reward of a heavenly home and when it is addressed to the relationship of uh, the citizens in the spiritual kingdom that we call the church. Now, Robert Turner... Uh, uh, who well, I believe is deceased now, once said that when you see the word kingdom, you should think rule. Then after the idea of rule is uh, implanted in your mind, examine the context to see if this is the case. The word is extended to designate the realm of that rule, uh, the people ruled, or the nature of that rule. So in other words, is the word of rule going to be referring to the realm the heavens uh, up above or the earth? Is it referring to the people under a particular rule, or is it the nature of the rule, a physical versus uh, spiritual? Now, the the sources that I looked at this week preparing for this had a lot to say about the poor in spirit, but they didn't have a whole lot to say about the kingdom. Uh, Some just glossed uh, over it with a few lines. Some didn't say anything about it at all. But obviously, Jesus is not looking for the self-righteous or the proud. Uh, to be suited for the Kingdom of heaven, because if that's your mindset, you will not be suited for the kingdom of heaven uh, in fact, uh, later on when he uh, in revelation, when he tells the Laodiceans that you say, "I am rich, I have prospered i I need nothing then he, he adds his own assessment saying of of the Laodiceans that you uh, not knowing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, they thought they had it all together, they thought that they were uh, good christians and they were uh, had everything all figured out. And Jesus is saying, well, no, you don't. And that's the idea of the poor in spirit. Now, the kingdom of heaven is going to be people who are under the realm of God. Now, at the time Jesus said this, the church had not been established yet. So at, at that particular time, and I uh, forgot to mention one other thing. In verse 3 and in verse 10, both of those spaces, it is actually in the present tense in the original language. But what's in between there is actually a future tense. that uh, on verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Those are future. So I'm thinking uh, uh, that for us today, he is talking, it would be the church, because we are the kingdom of God on earth. But the audience right there in front of him would be uh, whoever would, was under the, the realm of God's authority. Um, and it might be a little bit muddled, but as I said, I'm I'm going through some of this myself. And then down in verse nineteen, um, I think we've got a little bit of both. And I, and I may be wrong on this, but I'm just gonna give you disclosure because like I said, this is kind of preliminary. I'm gonna revisit this, I think, in a future uh lesson. But being called the least uh, let me read the verses here. And actually the context starts in verse seventeen. Because that's where Jesus says, "Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, shall uh, he shall be called the great in the kingdom of heaven." For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, the least in the kingdom of heaven, uh, looking at the, at the context, uh, text, beginning back in verse 17, um, this one, uh, I saw sources uh, going both ways on this. But from what I can tell, it does not refer to the kingdom of heaven where we will spend eternity, uh, and be with the Lord, but to the kingdom that Jesus has already been talking about uh, being the the rule of God, God uh, uh, and for us would be the church. Now, the last part there in verse 20 looks to me like it's uh, referring to heaven and and kind of uh, qualified that's what I would think it is, but um, I'm going to put this down for one to come back and talk about in a future Uh, in a future uh, uh, lesson on the show, because I've I've got more questions in my own mind that I want to look at and uh, study this. So I'm going to say that in verse 3, he's talking for us today, it would be the church. Uh, Down in verse uh, uh, 19 and 20, I believe it's a split decision where he's talking in the first part about the church, but then uh, unless we can do better than the Pharisees, we're going to have a hard time getting into heaven. And if uh, if there's other questions people would like for clarification on that, feel free to send them to me or send them to Stevie. I'll try and uh, 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 see if I can't clear it up a little bit better in a future broadcast.
2: Shout it out, question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
3: Thinking about what you've done for me in my life I just want to say what you really mean to me You're my everything, my joy and peace You're the reason why I sing Lord, I don't deserve anything you've given me So I just gotta say thank you
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Now I'm co-host, Tim Bench, and his subject, the apostasy of infant baptism.
6: Good evening. As Stevie mentioned, my name is Tim Bench, and I'm calling in tonight from Abilene, Texas. And as always, we hope that the materials presented here will be educational beneficial and scriptural to all of our listeners, wherever you may be. Over the past several years, several presenters with the Gospel Light have presented lessons and studies on the topic of baptism, myself included, specifically whether or not this New Testament practice is essential to salvation or not. And there are many denominations which will argue today that baptism may be good, it may be beneficial, but it's not absolutely essential. Tonight, I'd like for us to briefly examine and discuss a baptism-related practice, likewise today widely accepted and promoted by many different groups and denominations. Our topic for tonight is going to be infant baptism, and tonight we're going to look briefly at why the churches of Christ now stand in the minority in their opposition to this practice. And again, hopefully this lesson will provide each of us with the biblical knowledge and tools to be equipped to discuss this with our neighbors, our relatives, our friends, uh, whoever it may be who may espouse and promote this doctrine. And it may serve as a surprise to many of us, how many we personally know who do agree with this practice. Infant Baptism is commonly the sprinkling of a newborn baby, thus baptizing the tiny infant. Uh, that's a term that a Methodist friend of mine uh, prefers, uh, the term dedicating versus saying baptizing. This practice is most commonly associated with the Catholic Church, but it is also practiced within the Anglican Church, the Lutheran Church, the Episcopal Church, the Methodist Church. Uh, the United Church of Christ, among others, and its proponents will often argue that such baptisms are necessary and ordained of God due to the concept of original sin. So let's look quickly at the official rationale from both the Catholic and the Methodist camps justifying their stance in baptizing infants to begin with. Let's start, uh, this is from... OurCatholicFaith.org, so this is the official stance of the Catholic Church, quote, In the New Testament, we read that Lydia was converted by Paul's preaching and that she was baptized with her household, Acts 16, verse 15. The Philippian jailer, who Paul and Silas had converted to the faith, was baptized that night along with his household. We are told at the same hour of the night he was baptized with all his family acts 16:33 and in his greetings to the corinthians paul recalled that i did baptize also the household of stephanus 1 corinthians chapter 1 verse 16 in all of these cases whole households or families were baptized this means more than just the spouse the children too were included If the text of Acts referred simply to the Philippian jailer and his wife, then we would read that he and his wife were baptized, but we do not. Thus, his children must have been baptized as well. The same applies to the other cases of household baptism in Scripture. Granted, we do not know the exact age of the children. They may have been past the age of reason rather than infants. Then again, they could have been babes in arms. More probably, there were both younger and older children. Certainly, there were children younger than the age of reason in some of the households that were baptized, especially if one considers that society at this time had no reliable form of birth control. Furthermore, given the New Testament pattern of household baptism, if there were to be exceptions to this rule, such as infants, they would be explicit. End quote. From the 1905 Catechism of Pope Pius X. So this was official Catholic dogma uh, for many years. Quote, babies dead without baptism go to limbo where they do not enjoy God, but rather neither do they suffer because having original sin alone, they do not deserve paradise, but neither do they merit hell or purgatory. End quote. And also from the Peninsula Delaware Conference of the United Methodist Church, quote, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, taught that through infant baptism, a child is cleansed of original sin, initiated into the covenant of God, admitted into the membership of the church, made an heir of the divine kingdom, and spiritually born anew, Although the New Testament does not contain any explicit mandate, there is ample evidence for the baptism of infants in Scripture. Acts 2, 38-41, chapter 16, verse 15, and also verse 33, and in early Christian doctrine and practice. Infant baptism rests firmly on the understanding that God prepares the way of faith before we request or even know that we need or grace." End quote. This is from the Pluralism Project at Harvard University. Quote, in many churches, infant baptism is practiced, a rite which includes the formal naming of the child and the symbolic anointing of the child with water, a rite which is often called christening. The parents, and in some traditions, the godparents pledge to nurture the child in the Christian faith looking forward to the time when he or she, as a young adult, will personally reaffirm the faith at the time of what is called confirmation. However, in Baptist churches and those following the Anabaptist tradition, infant baptism is rejected. Baptists insist that baptism into the Christian faith must come only when a child is old enough to make his or her own decision. Other Protestants, especially evangelicals, postpone baptism to the age of decision with the conviction that this important rite should be preceded by a conversion experience in which the individual comes to accept Christ as one's own Lord and Savior and desires the right of baptism as a mark of this transformation. Whether done at birth or at a time of personal decision, the experience of baptism marks one's entry into the church community and one's new identity as a Christian." So that gives us some background on the practice and the rationale, again, that many of these groups will use. So tonight, using the Bible ultimately as our compass and as our source and as our guide, is infant baptism approved by God? Is it biblical? Can this practice be justified through the original sin defense? Are there specific scriptures which would justify such a practice? And tonight we're going to attempt to look specifically at what the Bible does and also does not say about baptism. Some quick definitions need to be established here. The term original sin refers to the belief amongst many faiths that man is born with sin thanks to Adam, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, all humans from the moment of their birth, have already sinned. This viewpoint, as popular as it is, runs counter to sin being a choice in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, sin being the result of transgression, not transmission, from 1 John 3, verse 4, the iniquity of parent sins not being passed on to children in Ezekiel 18, verse 20, and the fact that children are called innocent by God in Psalm 106 verses 34 through 38. So let's commence tonight with a direct and actual set of comments from Catholic sources in defense of this practice. This is a uh, citation from a simple defense of infant baptism by John Jaklovich, quote, infant baptism is one of those traditions that was handed down but not recorded. In the scriptures, Jesus handed it down to his disciples as one of the unwritten events, John 21, verse 25, for the disciples to practice and hand on to their successors. It was passed down as a tradition carried out by the disciples as instructions on how to baptize infants. Infant baptism is a tradition and practice of the early church that is just as valid then, now, and will be forever the Bible does not contain anything against the baptism of infants end quote." It's interesting to note here that even a Catholic source will admit that the practice is not recorded in the Scriptures. and all of us have likely heard similar justifications for praying to Mary, for example, based on, well, the Bible doesn't contain anything against praying to Mary, or the Bible never says not to pray to Mary. So when exactly did infant baptism begin to appear? Since it's never mentioned in the New Testament, we need to have an understanding of when this became standard practice. What were the factors which led to it gaining acceptance? This is from Dr. Everett Ferguson at Abilene Christian University in his Uh, massive work, Baptism in the Early Church, History, Theology, and Liturgy in the First Five Centuries, quote, There is general agreement that there is no firm evidence for infant baptism before the latter part of the second century. This fact does not mean that it did not occur, but it does mean that supporters of the practice have a considerable chronological gap to account for. Many replaced the historical silence by appeal to theological or sociological considerations. The most plausible explanation for the origin of infant baptism is found in the emergency baptism of sick children expected to die soon so that they would be assured of entrance into the kingdom of heaven. There was a slow extension of baptizing babies as a precautionary measure. It was generally accepted, but questions continued to be raised about its propriety into the 5th century. It became the usual practice in the 5th and 6th centuries, end quote. So again, this was not something that was commonly done, uh, certainly in the 1st and 2nd centuries, and as has been noted multiple times already, there's no mention of this in Scripture. Jonathan Edwards, who is perhaps the most well-known preacher in all of Christian history, said the following in 1740, quote, God in his institutions in his church has respect to the state of his church in its future ages many times. Thus, baptism is calculated for the state of the Christian church in the millennium when parents will truly give up their children and so fully that they will generally be accepted, that their children will be sanctified in their infancy, this is the proper anointed season of the application of redemption, the elect season, whereas there will probably be a hundred times more of the application of redemption than in all preceding ages put together, and therefore the ordinances and means of application are especially calculated for that season end quote so. The parameters of baptism in the New Testament are very specific in regard to who and how and why a person is baptized. First, we read from Scripture, and this appears in Matthew chapter twenty eight verse nineteen, where we read, "Go ye there, therefore, and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost well. A tiny newborn baby, by definition and by logic, for all of those in our audience who have had children, we know that a tiny baby is incapable of being taught anything, since that baby lacks cognitive ability. We also know from Scripture that a person is to believe before they are baptized. Where do we get that? Well, Mark chapter 16, verse 16, we read, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Again, an infant is incapable of belief and would thus be disqualified from consideration for baptism unless one simply chooses to ignore biblical doctrines. We know that baptism also involves repentance, turning away from one's previous egregious sins. Acts chapter 17, verse 30, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands men everywhere to repent. And you can also look at Luke chapter 13, verse 3, and Luke chapter 24, verse 47. How does a baby verbally repent of sin? Confession of Christ is a prerequisite for baptism. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, reads as follows, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before man, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. And you can also reference Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 38. Again, it's ludicrous to accept that a baby, a tiny baby, would possess the mental ability to confess anything, specifically that he or she would recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Savior of all mankind. A baby is unable to follow any of these commands that we've looked at, and thus a baby would not be a potential candidate for baptism. It's also worth noting that throughout the entire New Testament, we do not see one example of a baby being baptized, ever. In not one of the ten examples of conversion in the book of Acts, given to God to answer the query, what must I do to be saved, not one time is there a single example of babies being baptized. There are examples of baptism, plenty from John the Baptist at the Jordan to Nicodemus, even to Jesus Christ himself being baptized. But in each of these instances, always adults, the formula remains consistent with biblical command. Hear, believe, repentance, confession, and proponents of infant baptism have been, are, and forever will be unable to provide biblical examples of baptism Performed outside these established guidelines. The entire purpose of baptism through immersion is for the remission of sins. We see that in Acts 2, verse 38, Acts 22, verse 16, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. If a baby is incapable of sin, according to Ezekiel 28, 15, 1st John chapter 3 verse 4 and James 4:17 there would serve no purpose whatsoever for a baby to even be baptized and even Catholics would be forced to admit although grudgingly that a baby cannot fulfill the actions leading up to baptism in the first place Mark chapter 10 verse 15 serves as justification so to speak for many who would support infant baptism. In that verse we read, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter heaven. Now these words are attributed to Jesus himself, and readers should note that this verse does not specify or hint at or mention baptism in any form. This verse also serves as an argument against the entire concept of original sin, which many use as their basis for infant baptism in the first place. Here's why. If infants are born in a state of sin due to Adam's fall in the Garden of Eden, why would Jesus say that unless a person becomes like a little child, he will not enter heaven? Why would Jesus possibly suggest to followers that to gain heaven, they would need to become like sin-stained babies? Matthew, chapter 19, verse 14, echoes similar sentiment. There we read, but Jesus said, Suffer little children, forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. If children were born sinners, Jesus would certainly not be telling us to be like them. This is a citation from Hahn Publishing, entitled, What About Infant Baptism? Quote, Infant Baptism is objectionable because the Bible does not teach it. The Bible does not name the parents of even one infant that was baptized. It does not give the name of one infant that was baptized. It does not state the time when one infant was baptized. It does not name the place where an infant was baptized. It does not give the name of one preacher that ever baptized an infant. It does not contain one command to any preacher to baptize infants. It does not give one reason for baptizing infants. There is in fact no foundation in the scriptures for infant baptism. End quote. From Let the Bible Speak by Nat Keefe Quote, when we search through the scriptures, there's not even one verse where we see or find a child baptized into Christ. Since the Scriptures have been given by inspiration of God, we must follow the doctrines of the Scriptures rather than the doctrines of men. For only in this way can man be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works." End quote. From Batzel Barrett Baxter, who's a name that uh, many older Christians will remember, long-term, uh, very popular, famous preacher in the Churches of Christ, this is from his article, Who Are the Churches of Christ and What Do They Believe? Quote, Only those who have reached the age of accountability are accepted for baptism. It is pointed out that the examples given in the New Testament are always of those who have heard the gospel preached and have believed it. Faith must always precede baptism, so only those old enough to understand and believe the gospel are considered fit subjects for baptism, end quote. This is an interesting citation from none other than Martin Luther. This is taken from The Evils of Infant Baptism by Robert uh, C. Howell, quote, It cannot be proven by the scriptures that infant baptism was instituted by Christ or even begun by the first Christians after the apostles, end quote. And from none other than John Calvin, quote, it is nowhere expressly mentioned by the evangelist that any child was by the apostles baptized, end quote. These are uh, obviously names throughout Christian history such as Martin uh, Luther and John Calvin uh, who actually opposed this practice. Finally, from Concerning Infant Baptism by Richard Ramsey, quote, look into God's word And see if you can find any evidence whatsoever to support the doctrine of infant baptism. You will not find one instance of it. You will not find one command to do it. Not in any one of the 66 books of the Bible. Not even if you search it diligently from Genesis to Revelation. The practice of infant baptism does not rest upon any command from God. Infant baptism is not found in God's Word. The matter is settled when I fail to find any authority from God for this practice, End quote. In summary tonight, there simply exists no biblical authority for such a practice. Babies are not subject to God's command for baptism. No command was given to them. They could not understand the need or the meaning. They could not comply or perform the necessary actions, nor could they hold the proper attitudes, and they have no sin to be washed away in the first place. One cannot obey God by proxy. No parent can obey God for a child, and no child can make peace with God for a parent. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 4 and 20. If you have participated in infant baptism, uh, either yourself personally or perhaps with your children or grandchildren, I hope that you will consider this segment thoroughly and thoughtfully, again, using the Scriptures as your guide. And I fully expect that there are members of our listening audience, as large as it uh, typically is, who have participated in this and who have uh, gone along with this and who may still be in support. Of this practice if so your baptism was not biblical in nature as per the very words of the New Testament and if your baptism was not by your own choice and not by your own volition as a believer in New Testament Christianity don't let another day pass with your very soul at risk again consider the words of Mark chapter 16 verse 16 which we looked at earlier Let us always, unceasingly and without exception, cling to and follow the Bible on salvation topics instead of clinging to the traditions of man, be it on baptism or any other topic. This concludes my my, uh, presentation tonight. Again, we we hope that these materials are always educational and and, uh, beneficial to any of our listeners, wherever they may be. And if there are any needs that you have this evening, whether it be prayers or support from faithful Christian to perhaps even additional Bible study on tonight's topic or any other topic that you might hear on the Gospel Light, we ask that you will please let us know. The Gospel Light members are always prepared and ready and eager to assist any of our listeners in any way we can. Thank you for being with us tonight, and God bless each and every one of you.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Life Radio Show.
0: It
3: ain't easy, now. sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord, sometimes it gets rough. Has anybody been lonely all by yourself?
2: To the Gospel Light Radio Show,
1: ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into our broadcast. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media, Facebook Live. I want to thank my co-host Clay Phillips for his subject, the Pressure Cooker of Life, and my co-host Tim Bench for his subject, the Apostate of infant baptism both great lessons on the broadcast tonight my co-host steve cordova he answered our question in regards to the kingdom of heaven and the church so we certainly appreciate all of the efforts that our co-host has given us on this show tonight ladies and gentlemen we are just so thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast and it is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuned in this radio show but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler. I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
3: I know you would never forsake me. Since I came up out that water, the devil's been tempting me. I know the Bible says in James to resist time and he will flee. Lord, I'm so far away, I feel I'm out of your reach. Please open up my eyes so that I can see. Lord, I can't make it on my own. I need you, Jesus. Please, God, the home. He's my life. Please make it right. I offer up my life. Yeah. give my life. Life to you, Lord. all I wanna do, you do. So many times I've been struggling, struggling. Need strength where I'm weak This life is too hard for me Guess I better start thinking Without you, Lord, I can't make it. Can't make it. This pain but that I feel, I can't take no it. No I'm on my knee, yeah, asking to live me. Not that you move this mountain, but give me the strength I need to climb higher and higher to my provider. Lord, I tried it by myself But in the end I need your help Here is my life Just make it right Lord. I give it over to my you, Lord. Lord I give it over to you, Jesus. My life. My life. I give, you, I give it over to, to you, Jesus. I give it over to you, Lord. I give it over you.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: <laughs> You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 248. <laughs>
3: creator of all mankind, it is again we come to you, with an humble state of mind, first of all we'd like to thank you, for your love so faithful.